what do you prefer being called like alcatraz or kishore ideally i like girls to call me alcatraz but <laughs> kishore is fine <laughs> is it an alter ego yeah kind of it is we'll get to that <laughs> later if you if you if you ask me a deep question and if i we will get to that sure let's see so uh okay how i know you is from kora we have been chatting a little on and off this is probably hmm. the first call that we are having like yes it's been uh, i don't know a few years now i have asked this multiple times whenever somebody from kora came on this you know in my interview series that uh, do you feel that kora made you a writer not really because i had already published three books i was freelancing mm. for a lot of uh, you know foreign websites yes kora did you know uh, exponentially increase my reach and all but i didn't become a writer because of kora yes but kora is a big part of who i was yeah so definitely yes and probably because you know whoever came before you uh, shreya badonia uh, anangsha lamyan me or uh, okay. shashank shekhar divyansh mundra everybody told me that whenever they start when they started writing on kora you know they got like a couple of viral hits and then they hmm. were even more motivated to write more yes yes same thing here also but i was already writing to you were already, already writing yeah and so do you write every day or what is your writing process kora or generally in general general okay uh, to the in general uh, at any point of time i have like three four projects i mm-hmm. do a lot of uh, as a ghost writer i do a lot of research for uh, you know production companies like uh, alpology z and all that so i do a lot of research for them if they want to create a web series let's say a historical web series so all that research that goes in there we are a team of seven eight writers who do that that is one thing which always keeps going on kora has stopped writing that much like once in a month if i feel like writing i'll write otherwise my job itself uh, involves other than creating crosswords a lot of copywriting a lot of research because we are catering to the american audience and uh, we are more of a pop culture thing so everything pop culture related uh, i have to read i have to you know make take notes and then pass it on to my team we have like discrete secret reddit channels where we target audiences so we have to write a lot of secret articles okay. there a lot of meme marketing happens so a lot of content is there otherwise yeah i book on weekends i work on my books also presently i'm working on two books so writing is basically what i do day in and day out and what kind of writing do you like most enjoy i like writing where nobody uh will tell me this is not right this is not wrong like the books that i write it is all me it is my i have this flair i have this style of writing which everybody has there nobody checks it when it comes to work or when it comes to you know outsource projects as a freelancer there the client or at, let's say at work your manager or the senior editor will have a lot of questions it's yeah. fine it's part of the job but i like to write where you know let's say for i post a instagram caption that it's like unfiltered whatever i want to went out i'll write it there i prefer that more interesting i 100% believe in that as well because 
and that was the only reason i stopped content writing like 2 3 years ago yeah it doesn't like, like it's not you if somebody reads yeah. it they will like how did you write this this is not you yeah exactly so i for me i really love writing personal deep deeply personal stories and i feel most alive when i'm writing that kind of stuff correct and that's why i feel why i just cannot uh, schedule posts i don't like scheduling posts hi rather... it's more like you feel like writing at that point of time you write it yeah i, exactly. I get that exactly so there are two kind of writers that i have seen one of them like you know the way i am trying right now you know like uh, just being in the flow the demerits of it is a lot of times you will not be in the flow and you will not feel like writing hmm. a lot of other writers are like really super disciplined like you know stephen king or neil gaiman and people like that who will sit at a certain time on their desk no i think the writers which you have mentioned and even the writers which i i follow they are from a different generation this generation of writers mm. and content creators are totally different because the thing is right now 90% of audience wants stuff which is quick it finishes quickly like reels or tiktok 30 second khatam you know yeah. web series web beans half an hour one hour it's over so actually the thing is like if you start working on a project you do it once you do it twice and if you're not getting the desired results then obviously you would lose a little bit of motivation plus uh, i think uh, also because there is so much exposure to writing these days there's so many writers out there so you can't single handedly say ki this guy is the best or that guy is the best there would be 10000 writers like him or 10000 content creators like him so it's better that i mean whatever you are disciplined or you write when you feel like at the end of the day you should enjoy your writing that that's what matters more what's something that you have written that till date you feel like this was the best when i was writing it or you know like i feel really proud of this one stuff it could be one of the instagram captions or any of the books or anything mm, yeah there's this one book i a novel i wrote it's a second novel it's called india shining it was more of a i started it out and not because of the book but because of what changes i went through while writing it so i started it off as a revenge story on my age so it was supposed to be like revenge and all it turned out to be a thriller and in the end by the by the time the book finished i like literally let go and i understood that how much in my mind grief and you know hatred i was holding when i read through the first draft second draft and in the end basically the ending is which i'm spoiling but ending is he that guy literally lets go and is like you be happy i'll be happy done like no more drama please i see okay so in that particular uh, book that you are mentioning india shining right mm. and was it when you were writing it or was it after the first reading or second reading when you felt like you know what let's move on i think i had uh, written 80% of it the climax was ready it's it was more of a thriller but it was like that guy and that girl is there they are constantly fighting with each other but they have to be together in that scenario mm-hmm. and i realized like why this much hatred wasting so much energy wasting so much time it's been like 3 4 years already it's better to let go then when the climax finishes they need to solve some puzzles and all they solve it 
and then in the last scene he just like let's go we're like and it was more of a figurative thing for me also I'm like hmm bye it's okay it's absolutely fine <laughs> i totally get that yeah i use writing as a therapeutic service as well more consciously now obviously when i been writing for so long uh, so here's something that i read on your website i don't remember when it was like really long back i don't even know if we were talking at that time or something like that mm. uh you mentioned that you are a life coach yes are you still in that uh, or ha uh, ha i still i still do it when when did you start uh so what happened was uh, i think 2017 18 uh, i was part of this startup uh, and the ceo of the startup ran away with all the money including my money oh. <laughs> uh, i was almost unemployed for 7 8 months so i was just going through a lot of stuff quora reddit and all then i asked myself what is something i really enjoy doing and it was like interacting with people on a personal level not in a group on a individual personal level yeah and what do i get out of it is basically i understand that everyone is in a similar situation one way or the other we might look from the uh, you know we might look into the outward appearances or anything but if you really talk to someone one on one in a very you know uh, meaningful way everyone comes out to be the same everyone has their own problems so i started uh, doing this online course from coursera uh, uh, my professor was very helpful his name is steve students from uh, from canadian university so for almost one year i did it for free with around some 50 60 people i made case studies i used to yeah. go through them and i used to share it with my professor then we used to discuss it and i started uh, writing about my experiences on blogs and you know freelancing articles then i reached a point where i was confident enough but you know there's a very fine line between a life coach and a counselor and a psychiatrist people often yeah. misinterpret that so they reach out to me to like give prescriptions and all so i have to be very clear i can't do that i am not that i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a counselor i'm a life coach i can listen to you i can tell you what is right what is wrong what you want to do is up to you i can be a good listener i can tell you experience i can tell you theories and all that stuff which you already know probably but you just want to listen from me so yeah that's, that's what i do as a life coach so i totally relate to that uh, i've been a life coach i guess for the last 16 months now i'm doing it hmm. full time for the last 9 10 months and because so a lot of life coaching could be you know in life coaches there are again deep a segment yeah. like one of them could be parenting other one could be confidence uh, i write and coach a lot around anxiety but then again okay. not anxiety disorder so there's a difference you know like in anxiety versus anxiety disorder so a lot hmm. of time when somebody came to me i'm like yeah hmm. we can have a conversation but i am probably not the right person to help you out and this is and they don't they, it's very hard to explain to them and they feel like you're being rude i don't want to like take use of you because you are in a desperate situation there are right people for everything you can't yeah. go to mcdonald's and ask for dosa you have to go to a dosa center and ask for a dosa exactly exactly and so just being curious uh, how how much time do you spend on life coaching these days like let's say in a week or a month it's usually on weekends 
तो आई डू लाइफ कोचिंग आई ऑल्सो लाइक गाइड यंग So it's a constant update, but like these face-to-face before lockdown, there were face-to-face sessions. I that's why I get to travel also a lot. Sometimes you know I go and meet people in Delhi, Chandigarh, Bombay, wherever. Now, so it's only on Zoom or any yeah. video call format. So not more than one hour to a week. That's it. Do you also have your own coach, or have you had a coach in the past? I used to have a prop. I I used to have a therapist. I. I had three different therapists because the first one gave up on me. Second one shifted Seriously? to you. <laughs> yeah. What happened? So, uh, he actually she she had uh, you know advised me to take a lot. Of, she had given me medication, and I was not ready to take medication. Okay. I was very adamant in my mind that I will never take any medication for this. I was ready to do all sort of you know changes in my life. everything but i was just very adamant that i would not take medicine so when the second therapist i uh, came in touch with this is the first thing i told and he was like it's absolutely fine but as long as you're putting 1000% it's fine but if you're not ready to put 1000% then you will need to take or sometimes it's okay to take there is no like uh, trauma behind it or yeah. anything like that but i had that in my mind i will not take medication so i have had three therapists how how are your views about medication now for me uh it i think it depends on the person i come from a very uh, i come from a military background i was in the air force and for me yeah. uh, being my body is like my temple i don't like to hamper with yeah. and because i asked her the side effects and all she told me certain side effects and i was yeah. not ready with it so i was like maybe i will take more time maybe a year more two years more but i'll get used to this or whatever you are telling me to do i'll do it now i still am not an advocate of medication but yes if the situation is very dire you need to take it are you a spiritual religious person or are you an atheist i am a proper full on atheist in a proper orthodox brahman family <laughs> amazing so i just wanted to know before i mention the next few lines so i really loved this perspective from gabriel bonstein she is a spiritual teacher she writes books amazing person and she went through uh, what is it called like postpartum depression like you know after pregnancy and delivery mm. more, a lot of women go through depression and she went through that and she refused taking medication for a long time and then she took the medication she got better and in her speeches and stuff she may in one of the books i guess she mentioned that this could be the god working through these medications because at this point maybe this is what you need i totally okay. understand your view point as well mm-hmm. i also like this view point that you know what what if this is what you need at the moment everyone is entitled to their opinions and if someone has gone through that and they can vouch for it then yes but again like if someone's experience will not 
you know uh, be applicable to something else yeah. yes totally and what i was thinking that uh, so when i was going through so i had anxiety attacks but i was not clinically depressed although i was you know like i was showing the symptoms of depression so it was you know like i was on the borderline of it so okay i didn't have to take medication because i got the help at the right moment okay yeah interesting to think about maybe i'll talk to someone else as well on this opinion i, I never talked to anybody about the medication in per se i called Again, my therapist should... yeah it the right person to talk to is your therapist or psychiatrist yeah so it... no like in general i'm not asking about myself i'm just asking you in general what is your view about medication because i called my therapist as well on the in this interview series a couple of weeks back hmm. i'll think about it again uh, is it okay if we talk a little bit about what you went through in that time yeah 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 sure sure so tell me when did you hire your first therapist so uh 2012 i was posted in bidar i was flying and uh, i think september 1st 2012 if i remember correctly i had a complete blackout and i remember only bits and pieces of it uh funny thing is uh, the moment my entire conscious or whatever memory came back it was like 6 months later i was not in efforts i was somewhere okay. else and on paper i was absconding from services what does that mean what's the word absconding i was awl absent without leave okay okay so okay so technically i had run away and i had no memory of it and okay. i was in some village in northeast in march 2030 so it was too late for me to go back by then and more than 6 months anyways you're not taken back into the service i went back uh, faced all the legal issues came out uh, then i realized i need to and because there is i was very naive back then and because there is so much shoshad drama uh, regarding mental health generally in indian society i was not able to explain it to anyone everyone was like ah okay sleep over it it will be fine eat good food it will be fine uh then when i initially started writing then i realized ki i really need to reach out to someone who understands all this because there was no one in family and most of my friends were in efforts only so i could not reach them there was this uh, what is that website locanto there was this okay. listing for uh, they were trying to reach out to people who had certain issues symptoms and all and i uh, pinged them up and that's how i met my first therapist and i was very okay. glad because i remember the first three four sessions i realized how complicated my mind is and i have been taking it for granted so much she explained it to me everything why this happened why that happened what were my trigger points what were my you know uh, there were certain things or sounds that made me really icky and all she explained it to me all that that's how i contacted my first time can can you talk about like what happened what made you black out for 6 months so uh, basically uh, what had happened was four years of training uh, in national defense academy then i had gone to efs academy and uh, my then first girlfriend had gotten married that was my first trigger point in 
and what the you, therapist you were married? told me you no, were married to her my, my first girlfriend got married to someone okay. else. <laughs> so that that was that that was the first trigger point and basically what had happened was i was very shy i was not communicative i had very good friends back then but i was not opening up to any okay. and what she what my therapist explained to me was she told me like in two simple lines that everyone goes through grief grief is a process you cannot escape it but i was trying to escape it so whatever emotions i had i was just suppressing them and i was working day in and day out flying is a yeah. very rigorous thing you have to study a lot uh, you hardly get sleep you don't get to eat on time and all that you know suddenly 6 months 7 months 8 months and it just my mind snapped my basically what you told me was my mind had subconsciously stopped working i that's why i don't have it's like bits and flashes you see in movies like someone is drugged they only remember like oh, i'm going here i'm going there while my body was completely fine i was doing everything fine but i don't remember i think 60 70% of it those 6 months whatever happened is is it okay if we talk a little more about it yeah yeah please please go ahead sure so uh do you have you know does your family have any uh like did you contact your family in those 6 months or no, anybody for, else was you what you went through in those 6 months for almost a year uh i was missing on papers from air force my family was aware that i was missing but even they did not know that i was okay but i have this one friend uh his name was kitty or something i met him in andhra pradesh apparently in december of that year so he contacted me somehow on facebook one or two years ago i remember him the moment he contacted me i think it was surprised or something i remember him remember his face and he told me that we used to teach kids dance for some one or two months mm. <laughs> which i have no memory of interesting and so when was the time when you you know like kind of became awake about whatever you were going through march 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 2013 was it like a one day snap event or was it like over a few days it was basically I, as i told i was in some village in northeast and i saw a fighter aircraft flying and oh. that suddenly i remembered oh shit and it was not like a snap it took time slowly like i sat down i went out i was walking here and there and slowly slowly it came on to me that oh i have screwed up big time and what did you do right after that i called my home and i told them that i am coming back and uh, the thing was i would never had any financial issues because it was easy a lot and initially you get a huge amount of arrears when you get commissioned as an officer mm-hmm. so i had money everything so that's why probably didn't snap before that because if i had mm-hmm. gone broke i'm sure something would have happened i called my home and i'm coming back i went back uh, then we went back to air force we hired a lawyer and all that stuff happened and is it again is it okay legally if you talk about what happened legally yes yes that, absolutely what absolutely. happened legally so uh the moment i got back so air force was very kind to me they follow procedure the first procedure they follow is to check all my whereabouts so mm. they went through my bank account details uh, my sim was there but it was not switched on so they tracked it where all i had gone uh, 
and uh, they checked. So basically, they wanted to check if I was a spy or not. Uh, there are a lot of people who come join, take information, and run away. They yeah. wanted to check that. They checked it. Uh, then I had three, four counseling sh- sessions with the in-house psychiatrist there, and then she understood slowly ki what was the reason. But explaining this in a in a normal court or in a defense court also is very difficult because people generally tend to like ignore this. That this cannot happen. Everyone yeah. goes through this. Uh, probably mine was very exaggerated form of it. But uh, yeah, so I was discharged honorably on terms of mental health. But here's that. what I'm curious about. So we'll continue with the whole sequence. But about this particular incident where the in-house psychiatrist consulted you, was she able to help you at that time? No, no, no. it was more of a interrogation to make yeah, yeah. to make sure that something is right or wrong. Yeah, so it, it was not on. For your benefit was probably for, you know, yeah. the, yeah, okay. So I was I was and, in close arrest that time. So for six months I was in close close arrest. I was kept in one single room, and I had escort officers going in and back. And so yeah, the entire process took around seven eight months. But here's the question: If the psychiatrist was consulted and if she knew that something was actually wrong with you, or you know, at that time at least, uh, how were you in like? like being uh, put in a cell or something government procedures take time it's not like i say you are not fine so they will accept it so first the station officer has to then the uh, area chief has to accept it it went all the way to chief of a staff in delhi which took 3 4 months then there oh. were 3 4 court sessions where i had to give a statement when i told it i was really passionate about flying i would not have done this you know i was always a topper merit first everything if you think that i would do this on purpose then it doesn't make sense a lot of backtracking happened a lot of uh, inquiries interrogations with my family members had happened it takes time government procedures are not easy but here's the point at that time you needed help so that that's yes. exactly what i'm worried about you know like for example if you're arm was broken you would probably given you know the whole fracture and medication and everything before putting you Correct. in the cell Correct. it's not the same with mental health situation i don't think anywhere in india it's that's the case that if you say you're depressed that you will not be charged for a trial that i don't think anywhere in the world that provision is there unfortunately but i don't believe you know like it's not the thing that you will not be charged for a trial the thing is putting you in the cell and not giving you the help you need so the whole point is if your arm is broken they will have a doctor by your side they will Correct. give you the help you need it's not the same with the mental health issues that's what i'm asking yes yes it's not i don't that's what i said it's i don't think anywhere that is the case man nobody uh, unless and until like you are suicidal or maybe you are having a lot of panic attacks anxiety attacks that was not the case with i was very normal but it it how how do i explain it it's like uh, i if i have to explain it to a common man i like your nose has cold common cold so it's normal right just like that your mind can have something yeah i i understand my days when you know like i mentioned i was almost in depression i, I went through a definitely it was a phase for me at least when you know like i'll 
it will be really tough for me to get up from my bed for days mm. at end i'll just get up for washroom or if i have to eat something that's pretty much it otherwise i i'd rather just not look at my phone or binge watch something binge it something that's it and it's not like you know i was like not a good student or i didn't have dreams and stuff like that but just that it was so hard for me to get up from my bed and it's very normal and i think the more people like us talk about it more people will understand that it's normal and you can it's absolutely fine it's absolutely manly womanly to reach out for help when you feel like this totally so uh, let's let's uh, go a little back so you that that court martial and everything everything happened so what was the result like what happened in result so basically because i was such a i had a very excellent track record i was good in everything that i did uh, i was sort of on an afa best in flying in india and all that stuff and the speech that i gave was very cliched and emotional like i literally uh, told ki i this is what i wanted to do from my childhood i did not give iit i did not give iit triple i gave nda i joined here that's how much i passionate i was for this so this has happened maybe something were not in my hand and yes i understand that technically this is a wrong from my side and i'm ready to face the consequences but pleaded guilty and i think that's one thing uh, the bench Uh, liked it and yeah the thing was most of the bench were senior officers who were my instructors at one point of time so everybody knew me yeah. personally on a personal level and uh, even when i had a so after all this i had to go to delhi and meet the chief of air staff and i had a one on one with him he also told the same thing ki see if it was in my hands i would have done the right thing and taken you back but it's not ethical it's not technical that's what not the law says So I have to let you go, and it's fine. I mean, things happen, shit happens, and you have to live with it. So, uh, like, were you charged financially as well? Nothing, nothing. In in fact, I was given salary for the time I was missing as well because <laughs> I was on payroll. Okay, okay. And so, after the whole, you know, court results and everything, were you also prohibited from doing certain things or being in certain like anything that? so i cannot appear for any upsc exam any mm. government exam government That's exams i can appear uh, anything upsc uh, which is related to military or paramilitary so defense forces i cannot join even paramilitary forces like cisf crpf psf and even territorial army all that stuff uh, ias ips was a lot but i was never interested in all has it impacted you in your career not really i mean uh uh most of the interviews where i go where i've been i've been to three four job interviews i'm very open about it like people ask me why there is such a huge gap of four years five years here and the, the problem is nda degree is affiliated to jnu okay and uh, in jnu there is no science degree but in nda they give bachelor of science in computer science so people get very confused and okay. then there is a gap of 3 4 years so the first question i always get is what happened so i have to say to explain whatever i just told you i tell them in 5 minutes this this has happened and the next question is are you cured all that i'm like i'm not cured but i'm used to it and i'm absolutely fine nothing has happened from past 3 4 years uh then they come to know that i was ex air force i used to fly fighter planes then their uh, 
point of interest totally changes they don't talk about their job now they talk about oh how is it like that so i don't know it sometimes it helps me a lot also but yes one thing uh, especially in this company that i'm working uh, my ceo is very uh, very kind and he believes that foji uh, people are very good leaders so that has helped me a lot uh here's a question that i want to ask you um, whatever happened with you with the army military and everything how are you looking at it right now i'm happy all that happened i'm absolutely happy i sometimes yes i look back i'm like i keep meeting my coachmates and juniors who are posted here they keep me i meet them then i feel like oh i should have been with them But generally 90% when i'm let's say i'm sitting or i'm running and i'm you know listening to some podcast and you know in introspection mode yeah. and i'm glad it happened because if all that would not have happened i would not have been at this much peace at this point of time in my life so all that chaos was necessary to for me to be this much peaceful now i so here's the thing just today i had a uh, i had a session with a client and we talked in depth about acceptance you know and one of the lines that i told her that i have been practicing for last few years is i accept myself for who i am who i have been and who i will be absolutely i mean it is sad that we have to say it out loud that should be the case <laughs> from beginning and even with me that was not the case like i have been called traitor i have been called bhagoda I, by my own family members by my very close relatives friends that time initially 6 months when i came out to feel bad i'm like fine it's okay it's okay and now to i really don't care like at least i did all that i came out of it and that that much gratitude i don't think anyone can have after all this so it's absolutely fine that's what i was saying like i would relate to that that you know the sentence that i had uh, in a discussion today uh, i want to go back from where your story started and mm. tell me about the routine like you don't even get one day off like in a week when you are in air force and everything so uh, because we were it's still in training phase so okay getting time off is very difficult in nda yes we used to get like a month off every 6 months uh during flying it is very difficult because uh there are some 60 trainee pilots and only 5 6 aircraft so the schedule is very tightly packed sometimes you get sundays off and the only thing you do is sleep because sleep becomes very important you just eat and sleep and there is no time for uh, you know refreshment or just sitting and introspecting what is happening it's it's very fast I remember those eight months just flew by like this. It's it's very tightly packed. So I'm going to talk and ask questions from a point of view of a common man outside of the whole military world. So okay. correct me if I'm asking something wrong and obviously you know stupid maybe. Uh, isn't it cognitively better if you take rest and then you work rather than working so much as you are mentioning? no because the thing is uh, the entire training syllabus the entire whatever routine we have 
is made kept in mind uh, of in the time of battle in the time of war mm. what will happen to simulate mm. that and uh, unfortunately during war you don't get rest so we are trained to be like that so there is no excuse for for that i have had this question from a lot of people ki why are you yeah. so ill treated why is like this why is it like that but when you actually are on a live mission mm. all this training comes into play because of this you don't think about sleep you don't think about food at that time the only thing on your mind is your mission whatever you're doing whatever you're saying so i think that's necessary understand understand i just didn't know like if all these conditions have been simulated like 100% of the time so i was having an idea that maybe those conditions where you are super strict in terms of your resources including money energy money as in food and stuff maybe all these situations are only you know like in certain times and not always that's what i have no, thing, yeah yes the thing is uh, that is why the ssb is a one week long process service selection board mm-hmm. interview they judge every single mental physical aspect about you your mindset your attitude yes sometimes they falter like in my case they faltered a bit probably my mind was not probably at that point of time when i was 19 and i gave the ssb my mind was properly fine uh yeah at 22 23 maybe conditions change that's absolutely fine but the ssb takes care of this that officers who are recommended are voluntarily willing to go through all this and come out of that's why out of let's say 10 lakh people who apply every year only 100 or 120 people become pilots at the end of it and because you have been through all this stuff and you came out to be a non military person now what do you think what do you see like things that needs to be improved in there uh, in general like obviously not in general, talking yeah. in right, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is uh, as long as the end result is met which has been met every single time in case of indian armed forces yeah nothing should be changed like no system is perfect there are a lot of things which should not happen but it happens i mean there are a lot of things i cannot speak about as well but if one thing if one thing that needs to be changed is that probably as we discussed 10 minutes ago a little bit more focus on mental health of especially young officers hmm because there again i don't again correct me if i'm you know um what if like 90 so out of 30 days in a month you had like 28 29 days like a battlefield and you know like psychiatry is being mandatory like 2 hours a month or something like that see the, the point is there are programs like that there, there will be okay. like scheduled seminars this that you know the usual typical corporate wala thing where you know mental okay. health session this session that session but the thing is you talk about it there and the moment you step out you forget about it i mean how many corporate yeah. sessions where they talk about mental health it's just to show off ki ha we are taking care of it and the first line that you are told when you join military is that there is no place for emotions so i think that case is shut and closed there only yeah <laughs> yeah 
I can see that. Okay, I haven't been thinking a lot about military and stuff because I am definitely not that kind of a person. At certain point, I tried for the Navy because there was, you know, engineering degree associated with it. But mm -hmm. my marks were not sufficient. It, it was based on 12 standard marks, marks and okay. that was the end of my wish. I was like, <laughs> I want to try maybe. I don't know. I like water. <laughs> and <laughs> plus, I, I'll get to have an engineering degree. I was really interested in learning more. And uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> that's my career. I tell this to every candidate whom I counsel for SSP that wearing the uniform is not the only way to serve. It's fine if you're serving someone else the other way as well. Exactly. Huh. So, about your writing, were you writing before the military and everything? Or did you start writing? I used, I, I used to write love letters for my friends in 9th and 10th standard because <laughs> I, I was studying in Delhi. And not to be offensive to anyone, most of my friends were local Delhi people who were not that proficient in English. So I used to write love letters, poems for them to give to their crushes and all that stuff. Then when I got a girlfriend, that's how I proposed. I wrote a three-page proper love letter using synonyms from Microsoft Word. <laughs> um, then I used to post romantic poems on Orkut scrapbook. Yeah, all that stuff. And uh, during uh, uh, my training also in NDA, uh, used to do a lot of uh, uh, theater and drama too. I used to write uh, screenplays and scripts for that. Writing has always been a part of me. Mm, I see. So how long did it take you to finally write your heart out after coming back in the normal life? When I came out of everything happened, legal has finished, I came back uh, because that JNU degree is as good as useless outside because we were supposed to be in military for almost 20, 25 years, but I came out. Uh, so I literally had no clue what to do. And uh, I was watching Prison Break, Bin's watching Prison Break. And I thought maybe I should write something like this. So I started writing my first novel like that. And... Uh, it was basically the hero has tattoos, just like in Prison Break. And uh, I think it took me seven months to write that. And in the between, I was not doing anything. I was just sitting at home, waking up, uh, writing, binging some show, and again, sleeping and writing. After seven months, I realized that uh, my dad is a retired pensioner and I need to do something. So I started doing small, small, uh, you know, jingles and copywriting projects on Fiverr. Okay. Uh, but it was not that good initially. Like I remember first month I made some 4,000 rupees or something. So then I decided, okay, let's apply for a job. Let's see how it works out. If I, I was not confident because I did not have a degree and I thought maybe I don't write that good. I applied three, four places and one of the places, the company was very stupid. They hired me. The company was literally stupid. It was so bad that they had no clue what is the role of a content writer. I used to write a website copy for them, which was basically copy-pasted from here and there. Got and it. I used to do my freelance project from here and there. Uh, made some money and then self-published that novel. And that novel was so bad in terms of editing that I think two copies were sold. One I bought and one dad bought. 
Wow. Then I realized, okay, uh, like I talked to a lot of people. I think that's when I started using Facebook and connected to a lot of author friends. They told me like, if you have not edited, it won't work. You know, if you write something, automatically you feel that it is the best thing that you have ever written. Nobody can write like this. That is the inherent feeling every writer gets. So yeah. you need to hire an editor. So then I hired an editor, paid him some 8,000 rupees. Then re-released that book in Kindle format. And surprisingly, in one month, it sold some 100 copies. So I was very happy. Like, okay, it works. Uh, then whatever, like, third or fourth month salary, I invested completely in marketing. Like, we'll do Facebook campaigns. That's how I got into digital marketing also. So I wasted that money. Entire, I think, 15,000 I wasted. Because I had no clue how to run a campaign. Then I did a course online, some two courses online and learned how to do Facebook campaigns and Google ad campaigns. Then I did a campaign for my book. Then like in six months, it sold 10,500 copies. Then I was like, okay, huh. now we are on the right track. So yeah, that's and how. Was that the time when you started Quora? No, this was 2016, I think. 2016, 2017. Quora, I started, I specifically remember the date. It was October 2nd or 3rd in 2017. Okay. And my first answer was, uh, what? how would uh, Sherlock Holmes have a conversation with Arnav Goswami? That oh. was my first, that was my first answer, which I deleted after like two years. It was very bad. I can understand. I... Sometimes I feel like going back and deleting my previous core answers. I don't know. I have also answered best 10 sex scenes in Bollywood. <laughs> so <laughs> just imagine the kind of things that I used to write. <laughs> okay. So fast forward now. Here's something that I uh, definitely had a question from one of my friends. So you know him as well. Sudhir Kotalwar. Oh. He's such a brilliant person. So there was there's a group, WhatsApp group, and I was asking in that group, he's one of the person in that group, and I was asking in general that, uh, do you guys have any uh, recommendation for a, like, you know, online drive, like Google Drive or something alternative to Google Drive? I have the, I'm doing these interview series. It's like a huge data now, and I want them to be stored in some online drive, and Google Drive is a little costly to me. And so I found one DG box something and it, it's like relatively quite cheap, like, I don't know, 30 rupees a month for hundred GB. And really cheap. <laughs> really cheap. And I bought that and Sudhir like forwarded me the whole first, uh, you know, first year's worth of, like he said, this is sponsored for you. And nice. The money doesn't matter, but the gesture was really big. And anyway, so he asked me that he said that I only met, uh, you know, uh, Kishore, because you mentioned you only want Alcatraz to be said by girls. So uh, that I only <laughs> met Kishore when uh, you were in Mumbai, right? In, yeah. in Shefali's home, I, I guess. I don't yeah, know. yes, yes. So I remember he traveled some 35 kilometers in bus to come and meet. It was very sweet of him. He's a really sweet person. 
so he may he asked this question he wanted me to ask you this question uh, he said uh, he wanted to ask that how do you prepare for your bike ride mentally and physically so here's something that again coming from me i'm not a traveler i actually bought my activa one and a half years ago only because my workplace was a lot you know like 13 kilometers away from my residence so i needed okay. it like i i spent three months trying to do this via cab so i don't have to travel i you know like i don't have to ride i do not like driving at all but you know like again this is just something that i have to do but i really see you and i see how passionate you are in riding a bike or driving and something so tell me how do you prepare you've been doing a long so, long yeah yeah so i don't uh, do normal riding like what i call them wannabes it might be offensive for them people buy super bikes and once a month they'll take out and take some 10 pictures and like put oh, i'm a rider i'm a provider no i don't do that i sincerely believe riding as a form of physical and mental meditation so for me it's like if i'm riding it's like constant 12 hours 16 hours 18 hours wherever i have to reach i'll reach stay there for 2 3 days explore the place and then go and i take up this challenges and all to raise money for a lot of funds so riding basically involves three parts of your body your bum your shoulders and your back so those exercises to always i do before like all the time basically and i do a lot of running because uh, i used to be a chain smoker at one point of time and my endurance was very low i started running a lot and the most important part of the preparation is researching your route uh it's not like you just go and you put google maps and you reach there it does not happen like that you should know where will you stop where is the petrol bunk how much petrol you can mm. go how much is the mileage you check the weather you check whether that particular highway is functional or not and you have like two three divergent points if it rains where you're going to stop all that stuff it, it takes a lot and i enjoy that so it's fun for me Interesting. Never thought about it. So, how do you manage petrol? So it's basically like, so uh, this I learned in flying only. It's called point of no return, PNR. So if you go coming from point A to point B, while going from point A to point B, there will come a point where your petrol will be just enough to reach point B, but you can't return back to point A. So mm. in that case, you you have point C and point D to the right or left, whatever. and that should be enough distance and there should be a petrol bunk there so i literally plot that and put it on my google map and save it so if mm. something happens let's say it rains or my petrol gets over so i know where to go super interesting it i can see if i connect all the dots that how much you are into research professionally yeah. personally hobby wise and everywhere uh, when did you start riding so i had a bike when i was in fs and uh, when i ran away all that incident happened that bike was in fs station only it oh. was there for almost two, two years and it was very dear to me because my first entire salary was that bike it was a yamaha r15 and i was very fond of it and before that i did know how to ride so i learned riding on that bike i used to ride it a lot uh when i came back so there were a few legal hassles so i didn't get the bike that time i got it after almost one year 
and uh, what kind just of like legal? So all my court issues were there, no. So by the time all the clearances came, it took another one year. Like all my salary, all that bike everything came together. Just so happened, as I said, I was sitting. I was not doing anything, and uh, was trying to do freelancing. This time, one night I thought, let's take this bike somewhere. And I remember, I thought I'll go for some fifty, sixty kilometers. It ended up being three hundred, three fifty, and I came back in the morning next day. Mm. Uh, and then somebody mentioned it to me uh, that there is this American association called Iron Butt Association where you drive a bike thousand six hundred kilometers in twenty four hours. I was so fascinated by it, and that was the only time in my life where I didn't have any protective gear, no research, no planning. I didn't have the money also. Like I got some of my friends' credit cards, two three credit cards to fill petrol, and I did that challenge, and I recorded it on a iPhone five, holding the camera like this while riding. I was so careless back then. Made the video and all, uh, put it on YouTube, shared it on Cora. I think that's. I think that was like two months after joining Cora, this happened. Okay. And uh, there was this guy called Vinod Chako. He's still there on Cora. Uh, he owns Flexi Cloud. So he was like, "Why don't you do mm. Kanyakumari to Kashmir?" Like, yeah, I can do. Like how much time will you take? Like hundred hours, hundred and ten hours. I had no idea. Okay, then he was like, "If you do it, uh, I'll get sponsors for you. You ride it, and if you complete the record, like you'll get a uh, India Book of Records ka record, and uh, I will get like reach and all. Anyways, like you have little bit on Quora and Instagram and all that stuff." I said okay, but like two weeks into it, when I started researching how tough it is, I was like, oh, "This is not possible." But by that time, all the sponsors had already given money. Uh, there's this uh, War Widows Fund called Bharat Ke Veer. They had received money that I was doing it, so I was forced oh. into doing it basically. But I did it, and after doing it, I I was like, "Huh, this is something I can do all my life." Then it became more of a passion and a hobby. Now I don't take any sponsors. Whatever money I get through, like I ask people to donate to Bharat Ke Veer when I'm riding. So that's one thing I do, and I really enjoy. How many kilometers was it? Like, was it from one point to the other? Uh, Kanyakumari to Kashmir. It yeah, was four thousand two hundred kilometers in hundred and eighteen hours. Hundred and eighteen hours. How many days? Four and a half days. Four, five days. Five. Ha! Ah, my goodness. What happened after the? Uh, after you finished it. I Where did you start, it. by the way? I stay in Bangalore. I went to Kanyakumari from here. From Kanyakumari to okay to Kashmir. Srinagar, Srinagar. Srinagar. And what happened when you finished it? I finished body? it. So my bum. <laughs> I had three, three, three bubble sores on my bum. My hand, this entire hand had uh, frost bites. My face was like, how do I say it? Like Kashmir's winter. Punjab summer, Rajasthan yeah. dust, no sleep, no food, no bath. To so just imagine this face at that point of time, um, and I think I slept for two entire days in Jammu. I had one of my friends' place. I didn't wake up. I was not in. But after everything finished, I came back. It was like awesome. Like, abhi now I have done something in life. It feels good. And how regularly do you do it now? Now I 
a time challenge i do twice a year last year uh, i did uh, not last year last year was lockdown before that last year i did golden quadrilateral which is okay. chennai bangalore entire route in six days again 6000 kilometers uh this year i was supposed to do k2k again lockdown happened but generally i keep riding here and there all the time you kind of motivating me to do as well but i need to see i mean it's I not know. necessary so, you it's not necessary you do on a bike or a car or something you just for me other than the time challenge is more about going to places meeting mm. people there and every time i go somewhere it seems awesome but you meet people and you understand everyone is the same yaar yeah everyone has financial problems everyone's parents don't allow them to do what they want to do everyone is same and dependent <laughs> yeah yes and okay so before we move on to the next point i i might after this call i might ask you again like in a couple of months when i have a bike to ride on currently i have an activa again just because i needed to have it i don't like driving but maybe it's something like a nice bike activa is a very nice bike sure it's it's good like you don't have to change gears or anything it's it's like it rides exactly. on its own you know <laughs> so uh yeah the maximum i have gone so is you know like 100 kilometers so i live in chandigarh otherwise in non covid times and my hometown is like 100 kilometers away so like two okay. two and a half hours of drive that, that's pretty much it have you ever thought about racing no not really i it it takes a lot of more preparation and you have to be a full time thing i do this as a recreation as it's not something mm-hmm. i want to take up professionally mm-hmm. i see and because you mentioned and i definitely wanted to cover this point so this is something that i really really loved from your instagram stories i remember like a week ago maybe two weeks ago uh i don't use instagram really too much but you know some things are just meant to come up and one of in one of your q and a sessions you mentioned somebody asked you you know like how would how would i go to you know a road trip my parents will not allow me mm, and yeah. you answered something really you know that that stayed with me so your answer was uh, become responsible in front of your parents eyes they are just worried about you and do something start building their trust and they will slowly start allowing you and they'll start considering you are a responsible person yes i think most of the times what happens is parents always see us as a small kid yeah also the person who likes yeah. to eat, eat dirt yeah exactly so even with me so when i did k2k i had my dad's phone number stickered on my bike my live location was always on his phone every one hour i used to call him and so everything i promised him i'll do this i'll do this and before that i got a job and all that stuff he was like okay now you can go i know you will do this so you have to build that mistrust now to i am at that stage where most of the weekends i'm not home i am traveling here there riding somewhere so they are really not concerned they'll call me once in the evening ha you are alive you are like that's it so that much trust now they have so you have to build that trust and you know like again totally agree with what you mentioned because now i look back so i always had this question like you know how come my parents are so cool with whatever i'm doing like they do not interfere with my job or anything they just ask me like are you earning enough are you saving money are, you know like are you being 
careful where you are spending money you know that kind of these yeah. normal questions then i look back and i see that when i was in my 12 or when i started my college they were really worried too like who i am or what am i becoming and stuff like that and slowly over the time i showed i you know like builded my rep trust you know like i built their trust in me and probably that's why if i tell them you know like i have to go to chandigarh tomorrow like there's some urgent thing even if i'm just there to meet my girlfriend they are going to be fine with it they don't care <laughs> it you know like I, uh, yeah that's a really good point that and this is really common in india super common i think i would give this to the parents that they are worried but you know again like it's like if you love someone you just don't hold them and keep them close you can't be so possessive that you like literally are you are mine you will stay with me only all the time that does not any relationship you have to give space and let the other person do what they like yeah so thank you for that lesson i've been using it a lot uh, with people i talk to uh now i know that you have written a lot of uh, stuff around dating i don't know if you have written a lot stuff around dating or maybe that, that's just me that i have read a lot of your stuff around dating no i used to write uh, write a lot what has been your experience around dating i am not a believer in the kind of modern dating that is going on right now i somehow i don't believe in that key first i will buy a shirt i'll go to the trial room wear it and see if i don't like the shirt i'll not buy it i will go to a store if i like a shirt i'll take it and come back then because i feel okay the shirt reference you got whatever i was trying to say yeah. what i feel is any relationship five years down the line becomes same be it love marriage or in marriage whatever after five years it comes to the same point where you both are fed up of each other you know everything about each other the point of actual solidity comes after that what are you going to do to maintain that are you going to make sacrifices or are you going to accept the way things are or are you just going to leave things like okay i'm done and this is not and this is something i learned from my parents by the kind of stuff they have taught me that if something is broken you don't throw it away you fix it because you have already invested so much time and efforts into it unless that person is a serial killer or is really toxic then it's a total ball game altogether and how do you know if the other person is toxic <laughs> i mean because here's the point of... if somebody if somebody is toxic i i totally understand your point i really uh-huh. kind of feel what you're mentioning and i totally agree to that on some level but a lot of times you will know within the first 15 days if it's not going to happen if it's not going to work that, that, that's the point right i mean the way dating works now is you meet a random person let's say on an online dating site just because you had a match you date them i don't like that concept i'm like if you it it has to like you look at someone or you know them from 6 7 months you know what their qualities are then you approach then you start that makes more sense to me instead of just like ha huh, tinder i took tinder gold i paid 649 for this month i got two matches i'll date both of them and see who's more compatible to me that is not ethical according to me for me it's like like the kind of relationships i have had there have been people who i know from 6 7 months or more than that and we have hung out 
देन वी न्यू की ओके हाँ दिस माइट वर्क दैट मेक्स मोर सेंस टू यस आई अंडरस्टैंड टाइम्स आर फास्ट पीपल आर वेरी बिजी बट दैट्स माई इन माई पर्सनल एक्सपीरियंस आई हैव ट्राइड बोथ ऑफ दैम यू नो बींग ऑन अ डेटिंग एप वर्सेज ट्राइंग टू डेट समन आई हैव नोन लाइक फॉर अ ईयर और फॉर सिक्स मंथ personally so far nothing has worked for me <laughs> so <laughs> good things are wait good things wait for you don't worry here's here's something that i have been learning and accepting over the years or not over the years but over the past few months that we need to normalize a lot of different stuff so what happened i was really really heartbroken like in 2019 around september around my birthday i was uh, i was practicing celibacy for one and a half years i was like you know what i have been through enough shit i'm not going to take it anymore i rather be single than fall into this so what was happening <laughs> i feel so embarrassed to admit this but at certain point i you know scrolled back my chat from two months with my ex and forwarded the message to my ex Okay. Really embarrassing. But no, why? Why? My question is why. No idea. But I the incident I'm recalling is I wrote something really good to her. Oh, I'm not okay, able to okay. recall her. But then again, the that incident triggered to for me to think like you know what the names are changing, and you know probably the girls are changing or the messages are same or you know the whole stuff is going to be the same. Like somebody will come. will date for one month three months one year stuff like that and something will not work out and stuff like that and for one and a half year till like this february 2021 i was like you know what i rather be alone i rather be single and this is one of the relationship status that i have been talking about that you know what we need to normalize being intentionally single it's fine i mean it's better to be single than to be with someone who you think it's not going to work out that's exactly dangerous it's, because you're going to hurt a lot of people if you keep doing that <laughs> so here's something that i talked to with one of the persons in uh, one of the live sessions so i told her you know like this is a square this is you this is b square this is your you know problems so what's going to happen is when you combine these a plus b and the whole square you're going to double your problems so it will be a exactly. square your own problem plus that person's problem that plus <laughs> both of your problems combined something that because what has happened with me over the last one and a half years a lot of people told me you know what let me set up you you know let me set you up with somebody else why are you still single i don't believe so most of the times people will say i don't believe you are single <laughs> you're just hiding so 100% of my relatives will tell me i don't believe you are single like sure okay but this like, is just again it's, it's yeah. like i think the problem whatever you said yes first to we need to normalize the second thing is the kind of middle class indian youngsters we were and how we have grown up uh, subconsciously we feel that being single is not good okay and the yeah. most impo- important thing is we always look for qualities in the opposite person uh, she should be smart she should be good looking she should be respected and all that but the problem yeah. is 
we don't think about that for ourselves we are always searching for the one but the question is are we the one for someone else and it's okay to take time out and be the one for ourselves first it's absolutely fine to be single you can flirt around that fine but be single <laughs> that's probably what i have been doing in the last one and a half year to you know like ah uh, i'm okay to see what i want in other persons but am i willing to be the person who the other person would want to be with as well exactly interesting so uh the, just just a little short topic before we move to some thing else uh, i read in your co- uh, instagram bio it slash that yeah what's that about so uh, i seen a lot of people of late one one and a half years people right he him she so i i didn't know what it was i googled it and it's supposed to be like a representation of what you want to be called because of the all the gender LG, yeah so i like uh, i don't uh, want to be something because i have felt that the people i have put a lot of trust in and all that they've always like misused it treated me like an object so i put it slash that <laughs> so it's just another self sabotaging self derogatory humor <laughs> good <laughs> okay so what are we so how do i do this interviews i do not prepare questions you know that already i haven't sent you any type of questions i ask that is there any topic you don't want to talk about number 1 and number 2 i just write you know like 8 or 10 keywords that i i just have mm. on my mind that i want to ask so another one of the keywords is your uh, Is it okay if we talk a little about your army experience? Yes, and yes. The whole sure. alpha male category. Anything, anything you can talk. So, uh, because you are now out from there, how do those qualities negatively or positively impact you in your day-to-day life? Negatively, it impacts me when I work in a corporate culture, uh, in military, in air force, in army. There's a lot of brotherhood. no one would step over you and do something ever but it's impossible because the end result is same you know we are together as a unit as a squad in in corporate i not found that i have literally two three very good friends i have met in corporate life but otherwise people are very self centered very career oriented being career oriented is good but not at the cost of someone else that does not happen in the military it it might happen but not this much as much in corporate second i find very weird is the hierarchy so in military a senior is a senior you know you respect him whatever in corporate sometimes it's weird like for me when i had joined like this company 3 years ago i was 28 and a 21 year old just comes up to me and speaks in delhi slang and is like taken away then i slowly came to terms that it's normal like you know uh that was very weird but i think that's okay that's cool that that's how corporate life should be and the most bizarre sure. thing i i find uh, compared to corporate uh, versus military is the uh, discipline and respect discipline in terms of like if something has to be done in military there are no questions asked it has to be done mm. if let's say my boss tells me something i will do it i will not say 
this reason that reason in corporate because the culture is like that you can always question them why this why this now so i am not used to that so slowly i'm getting used to this and now because i'm handling a team of uh, 7 8 people three of them are females who are very young freshers so i have to be extra careful not to bring that military side of me i have to be extra nice from inside which i am not so it's very difficult for me so i have to be like okay yes yes i completely understand take your time do it in military it was like boom bam boom become murga this style and all that so that's one very weird change from and something on the positive side positive side uh not every military but the fighting arms like the army's artillery armored navy's executive branch uh fss flying branch there's one thing we are imbibed in our head is that we are the best there's nothing that can stop us we are trained like that we go through a lot of uh, simulation camps where we are treated like prisoners of war we literally run for three nights three days carrying 50 60 kgs throughout the night so physically we are tortured so we become physically very adept mentally we become like what you say in hindi patthar dil like there's no yeah. place for emotions at certain points of time so that has helped me a lot uh, even today being physically fit is my main priority because i feel if you're physically fit then you can mentally focus on something and everything else falls into place so that is one positive second even with riding and all because at a very young age i was mentally physically conditioned like that so i can take up more load and endurance and the best positive i feel which i have picked up from military is being a gentleman when you have to be and being a rowdy when you have to be so like with friends i know how to behave with family i know how to behave if i'm with my ceo or my founders i know how to behave with them so that change in personality happens automatically and it's very smooth it doesn't trouble me much interesting and do, do you believe again coming from a outsider perspective <laughs> it might be wrong because i have would have read it somewhere i don't even remember from where uh, are certain aspects of military make you misogynistic yes it does it makes you so i'll tell you one incident so when no. we were newly commissioned officers uh, we come for medicals in bangalore and uh, we were young 21 22 and we had shit load of money and we were fighter pilots so being a fighter pilot is like the alpha male of alpha male ego complex so we used to go to random bars in bangalore indranagar and all and introduce ourselves as like hey i am a fighter pilot do you want to dance with me that is the end of ego we will not tell our names we will wear that fighter pilot badge and go hey i am a fighter pilot do you want to dance and because uh, when i was there women started coming into flying and all before that there were no women so whatever uh, kind of training we go through whatever we are taught is very male centric it is the female aspect is ignored completely because there are in india there are no females yeah, when but, you come to uh, the, the the incident that you mentioned about going to bar and you know just randomly showing your ego stuff like that hmm. that doesn't sound like misogynistic stuff that's no, just so alpha male so, stuff 
no 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 so there's so many things which i will not talk about which i just remembered <laughs> i cannot talk about the thing is uh, uh when i say alpha male ego complex it, it's not in a good way okay it's okay. It, it's very uh, derogatory to the opposite and okay. i have been there and only when i came out and i saw the other perspective of how actually things work so then my mind changed because you and i don't blame the trainees also there like imagine 3 years in nda only males 2 years in afa only males you have not met a girl for 5 years in the prime of your youth in in when you are like 17 18 ha so and it, it's part of the training and the kind of stuff you go through like we take naked baths that is the compulsion in nda there are like huge line of showers everyone has to take a naked bath So for three years you are seeing that, and then two years you are flying in AFA, and suddenly you go out and you see a girl for the first time, and I don't blame them. It is wrong. I'm not supporting that, but it happens, and sometimes it turns out very misogynistic. I'll tell you, there are people like me who studied from six to tenth in military school again for four years mm. male contact only. Mm. There are people who studied from fourth standard to twelfth standard in Rashtriya Indian Military College only male. come to nda 3 years go to ima dehradun again 2 years for 13 years of their life they have been in touch with only males so suddenly you put a female in front of them it's terrifying <laughs> it's horrible but yes now women have started uh, you know coming into fighting branch coming into flying branch at all so i'm hoping things will change but yes i will give you one thing it is very misogynistic but when it comes to actually respecting a lady we do respect uh, any woman for that matter we call ma'am if you don't call ma'am we are punished so that aspect mm. is also there but sometimes yes it turns out to be very misogynistic understand and obviously it has been like uh, an institution for such a long time and things change a little slowly yeah uh, sure and did you have like a bad experience of like when you needed to see this transition coming from a military background where you, you were maybe not misogynistic as such but you were not really you know pro- promoting equalism let let's say or equality kind so of that for me coming from a military background if let's say somebody is reporting to me and if i tell them nicely that this has to be done i expect that has to be done you know 3 4 years ago what happened uh, one of the female colleague she came and she said i am having female problems okay i cannot do this no because i have never been in that corporate environment where i know i don't know what to do what not that like everyone has problems what is your that was very rude and like 3 4 days later when the hr explained it to me then i understood oh, should be taking care of all this and i came out as a very bad person during that incident and a lot of my female friends had to come and explain it to me mm. okay this 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 you can't be like this i we understand where you are coming from you didn't mean anything wrong but when a woman comes and tells you female problems you're not supposed to poke her okay fine mm. so now i have learned it first thing dude i'm so glad you are not my manager because <laughs> i have like huge respect for people so <laughs> who have you know like taken work from me in corporate <laughs> there's a reason why i try to be self employed 
i just cannot work under somebody <laughs> i'm not that person one of the reason i didn't go to you know why why i was not so enthusiastic about army i just cannot take orders it's so tough for me <laughs> so thank you god <laughs> but yeah <laughs> get your point interesting that you are you know like so uh, yeah I, i was just circling back to what question i had in my mind so this is my personal case what happened with me uh, some time like a few years back in my childhood i was like kind of a victim of a a toxic feminist incident okay, okay? and so for some time i actually kind of negated or you know denied that there is a need of feminism because in my world i was being obviously you know like i was being right in my world that this is toxic and all that kind of stuff has it been in your case like or were you like really supportive of feminism and stuff like that what has been your views about feminism from the start have they been evolved or were you like really like in supportive of equality and stuff from the very beginning because i come from a family where women have been powerful i have never felt mm. that because my family was a joint family when i was small and grandmother was the head so whatever she said happened in the house there yeah. was never a question of like not respecting women and my younger cousin sister she's 9 months uh, younger to be but she's one of the fiercest women i know like she's i tell her that she should be a politician she's so fierce and strong. if she shouts at you you have to do it it's like that my mom also like when i was small those tactics and never felt like she's a woman or she should be like this she should be like that i find it very odd now that people have to point out that women have to be treated equally but now that mm. i see the world i understand yes it is required it is required in places where women are like of rural villages semi urban cities it is totally required as long as it is not toxic and so totally sure and i've talked about it uh, with a another coach like a couple of weeks ago on this interview series that the issue is a lot of times women don't even know that it's okay to leave a toxic family yes i don't know i have so many cases like that where i literally had to tell their relatives to file a police complaint to save them but they don't know and here's so the thing society society will question them oh you left your husband patni vrata and all that stuff so yes that happens but here's the another question a level deeper to that is when they are married they know the term divorce but when you are a kid and your family is toxic to you or abusive to you like you don't know there's a term for it you don't know that you can legally leave them correct and by the time you understand it's already too late and it it just that you know like you will be blamed that okay you are wrong you have done this wrong and all that kind of stuff Uh, kind of pains me to even think about it alright coming back to a little not so toxic uh, you know not so 
painful discussion uh i know this that uh, so i was not really active on core at that time but i know that you was you were a part of a controversy there one part oh, yeah. hear, hear me out full so obviously i don't want to go deep into controversy it's not going to help anyone but considering that controversy one thing second thing considering you have you have been a writer you are doing a lot of you are putting out yourself out there in on internet i'm pretty convinced you will be receiving a lot of hateful comments not just me my dad has received death threats on his my goodness what happened <laughs> how do you deal with all like, that i think my dad was like oh you have become so famous i am receiving death threats now what happened in that case is it okay if you talk about it ha ha nothing so all this controversy or what you mentioned was happening and uh, i was not commenting on anything people were doing that i was like okay let people do it some 3 4 months later everything calmed down everything was back to normal i was getting invited to a lot of colleges that time like i remember in those 3 months i visited uict chandigarh iit delhi uh two colleges dy patel in bombay bangalore some three four colleges so things had suddenly picked up because people realized ki nothing was there everything had become calm so out of blue one day i am in chandigarh only uict i was sitting in sukhna lake my dad calls me like i have received two anonymous mails uh, one mail says uh, ki tell your son to stop writing and delete his account otherwise we know your address we are coming for you second mail said uh, pay us some 1.5 lakhs 2 lakhs otherwise we will hurt your son i was anonymous and dad was like okay ha cool yeah, two mails have come like this you want me to do anything file a cyber complaint something and like file it so he filed a cyber complaint that's it nothing after happened happened after that so do those cyber unit don't they track where the mail came from and stuff like that i am sure like millions of cases like this happen every day so it was not a serious case so they didn't do anything how do you know it's not it was not a serious case because after that nothing happened so do you want somebody to die to make it a serious case what kind no, of no, no, no. argument is that <laughs> if someone if someone really wants to scare you he will not send an anonymous mail on gmail that to to my dad like on instagram kora to even today there are there would be so many uh, unfiltered requests where people would have messaged me at 3 in the night that they would be drunk or something they would be sad like bro please help me my girlfriend left me i wouldn't have not replied because i don't like to reply at that point of time next day morning full abuse so oh, you didn't help me you think you are a big person you are arrogant you are rude so it's very normal i mean i am glad that i have stopped writing on kora and i'm not growing that much right now on social media i feel pity for people who are so famous like influencers were good influencers like someone like david goggins who have 3 4 million you know followers and how many abuses per day they would be getting it's better to just ignore here's another point of view all the abuses that i have got so far and to be honest i haven't received a lot of abuses so far most of them were from boys I'm not stereotyping or anything. I'm just telling you my data. Like this same, is same what here, I've seen. Same here. Same here. That means we need 
to do something about it people need to <laughs> not I be so free yeah if you're better than someone people would feel jealous i mean otherwise some random guy let's say sitting in west bengal why would he be abusing you you have done nothing wrong to him he's jealous <laughs> or he's literally bored in his life like exactly the point warriors. yeah you know when you are keyboard warrior good term like you are so bored in your own life that you don't have anything better to do like you know instead of like writing a comment a hateful comment that you know that the other person is going to ignore and you'll still and write your feelings if out if you reply to them you're motivating them more to better not to reply and i am sure like me you people like us who are there out there we are like small time influencers we don't matter that much in the long run we are just doing this because we are happy doing this it gives us fun and we are not like being religious politically in any way so i find it very amusing <laughs> and so i remember when i started digital marketing what i was doing for a long long time i was going through a lot of comments you know and it i was like really amused like what are people talking about like you know there's a meme from you know let, let's say a meme political meme on rahul gandhi or narendra modi or something and people will talk like i don't know like seriously crazy stuff and specifically on the things that they are you know seri- like too intense about like politics when so politics it's not like you know like let's agree to disagree it's politics it's like either agree to me or i'll kill you exactly <laughs> so what has what has been your filter for the whole like is it just a negative review because the other person is having a bad day versus is it a constructive feedback i mean if someone is spending 5 minutes to write a comment for me that means he has seen my content i am happy <laughs> i took care good enough <laughs> uh, i remember uh, do you know the author ryan holiday he yeah yeah, yeah. He, he writes a lot about stoicism so he mentioned about this criticism he was talking on a podcast or maybe somewhere so he mentioned that when he first launched his book right the obstacle is the way there was one comment in amazon and the comment i don't know maybe three star or one star and the person wrote that it was three star maybe the person wrote that this is a really great book i wanted to give it to my son but this has a lot of f words and i don't want to give, you know this is the reason i'm not going to give it to my son and that was kind of a constructive feedback for ryan because he was yes. like i can totally drop it i don't have a necessity to say it but that again you know like brings me to the question how do you differentiate a valuable you know positive criticism versus like a totally the other person is having a bad day kind of thing i think just from the tone of the comment can make out like if i remember someone told me about my book on amazon only that you have used a lot of religious terms and you have made fiction around it and it's very mm-hmm. uh, hurtful to a lot of communities but again yes we understand that it is fiction but we would love if you don't use all that but there's a way to say it. like if if yeah. i don't like someone i won't go and say hey, i hate you like 
okay i like spending time with you but it's just that you know sometimes i don't feel like there's a way to say that you don't like someone or you don't like what they are doing you don't just go with f b c m c and all you don't do that. <laughs> interesting and just uh, you know like before summing up this whole conversation uh, tell me the you know like how alcatraz is different from kishore is different from kishore so kishore was that 19 year old kid till 19 years old who, that kid who was there who studied in delhi we used to uh, every summer vacation travel in a train to bangalore to meet his cousins that was his life he was very shy didn't open up didn't communicate if he had to ask for something if he had to ask for food he would have stayed hungry that's how much shy mm. he was he was so very introvert and post all this coming out of air force kishore was not there unfortunately because he realized uh, to survive in this world with some dignity and respect you cannot be kishore because nice guys don't finish first they finish last they don't finish they don't finish on the so yeah. little bit of uh, i won't say alpha male ego but little bit of more confidence in himself a uh, little bit of more uh, flair and having the basic will to explore whatever he wants to so writing writing gaming you know trying out different jobs you know mm. the best thing about uh, this thing is that i've always been open about talking whatever has happened I just like to mm. put it out there and so that it's not that i'm trying to show up but it's that people should know ki this can happen you can come off or these things happen to people and it's absolutely fine only when you can you know openly put out 100% of your story is then that means that you accepted you as you are it's fine people will judge you hate messages will come it's okay so like nowadays everybody calls you kishore only or alcatraz so in office everyone calls me kishore at home everyone calls me kishore i think by now to most of uh, people who follow me on kora and instagram know that my name is kishore but yeah but people like if i'm meeting someone for the first time they say alcatraz then i have to tell them you can't pronounce it because people always pronounce it alcatraz halakraj halkatraz then like this call me kishore it's okay what's the correct pronunciation it's alcatraz alcatraz that's why i say girl, girls should say it they say it properly <laughs> good enough so i also feel the same way like you know my life when i was 18 19 or probably 20 was totally different like when i turned 20 or 19 it's great that you gave a different name to this new person <laughs> kind of you know gives you a space to uh, objectively differentiate this new exactly. change but at home i am kishore in front of parents in front of family i have to be kishore i can't be alcatraz they will like sit down <laughs> good enough so uh, if if we end this conversation right now would there be a topic that you would want to discuss that we would have missed i generally i like one thing that i have observed generally with all young people 20s to 30s is there is this very fine line fine difference between following your passion and following logic 
Hmm. And the fine line is called ego. To give you an example, if someone thinks he's a very good singer, he's he is right if he wants to try it out as a career. Hmm. But he should be able to take feedback and soon enough, within a short span of time, realize that if it is going to work or not. So when his ego comes in between, that he will not take criticism or he will not listen to his conscience itself, that maybe you cannot work it out as a singer. he'll feel bad but he'll keep continuing it keep trying and all the success stories that we listen is only 0.1% 99.99% times it does not happen so it's very normal to fall back on logic and if you're really passionate about something have a plan b and have a stable job or some source of income first then go for it or be a rich kid whatever it is so uh, so to yeah yeah i'm sorry continue Ha ha. So no no please please go ahead. So two points. One point is as you mentioned, you know the success success stories that we hear are only like one percent or so. And in fact, you can just go and you know Google it. Most of the billionaires are not college dropouts, or most yes. of the successful CEOs are not college dropouts. Yes. It's just a tiny percentage that media really explores because it it gives you drama. You know it it. it gives you the clickbait title that you would want to click <laughs> exactly and the second point i really loved this advice from elizabeth gilbert she is the author of big magic and eat pray love so she mentions that uh, so there are four different things uh, career job hobby and vocation okay she mentions that you can have a job and your job is only here to pay your bills so out of 24 hours if you spend 8 hours in a job again then again pick a job that doesn't suck your soul right earn maybe a little less and pick a job that doesn't take everything from you if you are picking up a job as a consultant in you know like some big four firm you may not have enough time to explore your passion but if you take a job in a maybe mnc or a startup where you are working hours are fixed you will have enough time and space to try what you want to try and what she mentions hobby is something that you just want to try nobody has to know that you have a hobby you yeah. can have a you don't have to be good at your hobby you can just you know like pick pick colors and randomly scribble and there is vocation that's your inner calling that i have to do it like there is nothing that could stop me from doing it like being a coach being a writer being a teacher something like that and then there is like a career you could have multiple jobs a career is you know like having same kind of jobs for a long time so a career in marketing or a career in defense or whatever and i believe this was one of the really really great distinctions that i see that has helped me a lot you can have a job and work on your passion totally fine it's absolutely fine i mean that's the logical way to do it you you can't just go to bombay and say i'll become an actor overnight that does not happen <laughs> so uh such an amazing discussion i know that you have to go right now maybe let's see when we can do this again hopefully sometime really anytime. soon anytime anytime so thank Dip you so much yeah thank you dipanshu no uh, yeah in the end i'll just like to like thank you for inviting me and i think it's very rare that i soberly talk to people on such deep levels so it was a pleasure <laughs> 
amazing we we kind of jumped a lot of topics that i would want to talk again maybe after a couple of months about okay. your uh, chain smoking about being sober being foodie <laughs> something for the next interview session maybe so okay. for this time thank you so much and thanks, i hope to see you soon again bye bye thank you thank you thank you so much